Hi, welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. This is episode five of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Roman numeral seven. Contentment is taking pleasure in God's disposal. This is so when I am well pleased in what God does, insofar as I can see God in it, though, as I said, I may be sensible of the affliction and may desire that God in his due time would remove it and may use means to remove it. Yet I am well pleased insofar as God's hand is in it. To be well pleased with God's hand is a higher degree than the previous one. It comes from this. Not only do I see that I should be content in this affliction, but I see that there is good in it. I find there is honey in this rock. And so I do not only say I must or I will submit to God's hand. No, the hand of God is good. It is good that I am afflicted. To acknowledge that it is just that I am afflicted is possible in one who is not truly contented. I may be convinced that God deals justly in this matter. He is righteous and just, and it is right that I should submit to what he has done. Oh, the Lord has done righteously in all his ways, but that is not enough, you must say. Good is the hand of the Lord. It was the expression of old Eli. Good is the word of the Lord. When it was a sore and hard word, it was a word that threatened very grievous things to Eli and his house. And yet Eli says, good is the word of the Lord. Perhaps some of you may say, like David, it is good that I was afflicted. But you must come to this. It is good that I am afflicted, not just good when you see the good fruit it has wrought, but to say when you are afflicted, it is good that I am afflicted, whatever the affliction. Yet through the mercy of God, mine is a good condition. It is indeed the top and the height of this art of contentment to come to this pitch and to be able to say, well... My condition and afflictions are so and so, and very grievous and sore. Yet, through God's mercy, I am in a good condition, and the hand of God is good upon me, notwithstanding. I should have given you several scriptures about this, but I will give you one or two which are very striking. You will think it is a hard lesson to come so far as not only to be quiet, but to take pleasure in affliction. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Proverbs fifteen six. Here is a scripture to show that a gracious heart has cause to say that it is in a good condition. 
whatever it is. In the house of the righteous is much treasure. His house. What house? It may be a poor cottage, and perhaps he has scarcely a stool to sit on. Perhaps he is forced to sit on a stump of wood or part of a block instead of a stool. Or perhaps he has scarcely a bed to lie on or a dish to eat in. Yet the Holy Ghost says, In the house of the righteous is much treasure. Let the righteous man be the poorest man in the world. It may be that someone has come and taken all his goods from out of his house for debt. Perhaps his house is plundered and all is gone. Yet still, in the house of the righteous is much treasure. The righteous man can never be made so poor to have his house so rifled and spoiled, but there will remain much treasure within. If he has but a dish or a spoon or anything in the world in his house, there will be much treasure so long as he is there. There is the presence of God and the blessing of God upon him. And therein is much treasure. But in the revenues of the wicked, there is trouble. There is more treasure in the poorest body's house, if he is godly, than in the house of the greatest man in the world, who has his fine hangings and finely wrought beds and chairs and couches and cupboards of plate and the like. Whatever he has, he has not so much treasure in it as there is in the house of the poorest righteous soul. It is no marvel, therefore, that Paul was content. For a verse or two after my text you read, But I have all and abound, I am full. Philippians 4, 18 I have all? Alas, poor man, what did Paul have that could make him say he had all? Where was there ever a man more afflicted than Paul was? Many times he had not tatters to hang about his body to cover his nakedness. He had no bread to eat. He was often in nakedness and put in the stocks and whipped and cruelly used. Yet I have all, says Paul, for all that. Yes, you will find it in Second Corinthians. He professes there that he did possess all things, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Second Corinthians 6.10 Mark what he says. It is as having nothing, but it is possessing all things. He does not say as possessing all things, but possessing all things. I have very little in the world, he says, but yet possessing all things. So you see that a Christian has cause to take pleasure in God's hand, whatever his hand may be. Roman numeral eight. The eighth thing in contentment is submitting and taking pleasure in God's disposal. That is to say, the soul 
that has learned this lesson of contentment looks up to God in all things. He does not look down at the instruments and means so as to say that such a man did it, that it was the unreasonableness of such and such instruments and similar barbarous usage by such and such, but he looks up to God. A contented heart looks to God's disposal and submits to God's disposal, that is, he sees the wisdom of God in everything. In his submission, he sees his sovereignty. But what makes him take pleasure is God's wisdom. The Lord knows how to order things better than I. The Lord sees further than I do. I only see things at present, but the Lord sees a great while from now. And how do I know but that had it not been for this affliction, I should have been undone. I know that the love of God may as well stand with an afflicted condition as with a prosperous condition. There are reasonings of this kind in a contented spirit, submitting to the disposal of God. Roman numeral 9, the last thing is, this is in every condition. Now we shall enlarge on this a little. Number 1, submitting to God in whatever affliction befalls us as to the kind of affliction. Number 2, as to the time and continuance of the affliction. Number 3, as to the variety and changes of affliction. Whatever they are, yet there must be a submission to God's disposal in every condition. Number one, as to the kind of affliction. Many men and women will in general say that they must submit to God in all affliction. I suppose that if you were to go now from one end of this congregation to the other and speak thus to every soul, would you not submit to God's disposal in whatever condition he might place you? You would say, God forbid that it should be otherwise. But we have a saying, there is a great deal of deceit in general statements. In general, you would submit to anything, but what if it is in this or that particular case which crosses you most? Then, anything but that. We are usually apt to think that any condition is better than that condition in which God has placed us. Now, this is not contentment. It should be not only to any condition in general, but for the kind of the affliction, including that which most crosses you, God, it may be, strikes you in your child. Oh, if it had been in my possessions, you say, I would be content. Perhaps he strikes you in your marriage. Oh, you say, I would rather have been stricken in my health. And if he had struck you in your health, oh, then, if it had been in my trading, I would not have cared. But we must not be our own carvers. Whatever particular afflictions God may place us in, 
We must be content in them. Number two, there must be a submission to God in every affliction as to the time and continuance of the affliction. Perhaps I could submit and be content, says someone, but this affliction has been on me a long time, three months, a year, many years, and I do not know how to yield and submit to it. My patience is worn out and broken. It may even be a spiritual affliction. You could submit to God, you say, in any outward affliction, but not in a soul affliction, or if it were an affliction upon the soul, trouble upon the heart, if it were the withdrawing of God's face. Yet if this had been but for a little time, I could submit, but to seek God for so long, and still he does not appear, oh, how shall I bear this? We must not be our own disposers for the time of deliverance any more than for the kind and way of deliverance. I will give you a scripture or two about this, that we are to submit to God for the time as well as the kind of affliction. See the latter end of the first chapter of Ezekiel. When I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. The prophet was cast down upon his face, but how long? must he lie upon his face. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet. Ezekiel was cast down upon his face, and there he must lie, till God should bid him to stand up. Yea, and not only so, but till God's spirit came into him and enabled him to stand up. This concludes episode five of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.